from the 24th chapter of Luke. Listen for what the Spirit of, of God is saying to us today. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, but on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. And then he went home, amazed at what had happened. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So Christmas is fun to prepare for. Folks love to prepare for Christmas, to, to decorate, to write stories about preparing, to make countless movies and TV specials, to spend thousands of dollars preparing for Christmas. In the season of Advent, Christians prepare our hearts to receive the living God. Our culture is not much into preparing for Easter. At the center of Easter lies death, a particular painful, drawn-out death. We like to prepare for new life. We throw baby showers, and now some folks even throw gender reveal parties. There are elaborate children's birthday parties. We, we celebrate birth every year, remembering how far we are from the day we took our first breath. What we don't do, at least publicly, is see it as a countdown to our death. In our culture, there is often great joy in preparing for birth. Not always, but often. Preparing for death, on the other hand, well, we work very hard as a society to push that off as long as possible. One of you reminded me recently of something Pastor Jody used to say about the extraordinarily, extraordinary uh, medical measures often taken to prolong life. She said, it's often not life that we are prolonging, but death. It is good and right that we celebrate life, that we value it, that we help others value their own lives to find meaning and purpose and belonging in this life. 
That is precisely what Jesus did throughout his own life. He helped restore people to life through healing, through liberating them from evil, through feeding, and mostly through inviting them to be part of his life, his ministry, and his community. But he also faced his death openly, in part because he was a realist, knowing that this is part of life but also because of his sure and certain hope that death is only part of life and not the end of life. Now, it would be cavalier for me to go on to suggest that death isn't something that causes us fear. Fear of death is natural for all of the reasons that you well know. Some measure of fear of death even helps us to survive But when death inevitably comes, so does God. God will help us carry it. And the people of God should help us carry it. When it comes time for us to face our own death as Christians who belong to a community of faith rooted in the promise of new life, we can be certain that these brothers and sisters here will accompany us all the way to the grave. Yes, with tears, but also with singing, and also with prayer, and also with hope. Jesus' resurrection has real consequences in our lives today. The promise of the healing and restoration of all bodies with Jesus's, of all relationships as Jesus drew his broken, scattered body back to himself and back to each other. As a people whose faith is built on the hope that death does not have the last word, we, the Easter Church, are called to make sure, to the best of our ability, that the dying are not alone and not apart from this hope. We are incarnate, living, breathing reminders of a sometimes too distant, anxious hope, a hope in the resurrection of Easter. The author, Jenny Harrington, wrote of her eight-year-old son's battle with terminal cancer. For two years, they fought against cancer and death because that is what you do. And as the mother of a son whose every fiber of being pressed on towards life, she pushed on with him and for him. She fought on because, she said, his love for life was front and center. His love for sweetness crystallized on his tongue in the taste of every sun-soaked strawberry. His love for satisfaction could be heard in the snapping sound of a puzzle piece set in place. His love for the simple, soothing smells of lavender emanating from a medicine ball was cherished as was the fact that he could still hold the ball in his hands. He loved life down to the core as only an eight-year-old can. And he was doing everything he could to stay alive, but he was so tired. You could see it in his eyes. And then one day it became clear that their last option of a possibly life-saving immunotherapy trial would not produce those life-saving results. Death was easy enough to detect with some of its telltale signs. 
Nurses and doctors began to cluster outside his room. His temperature was 107 degrees. The attending oncologist asked to speak with Jenny. He said, your son is dying. She was not prepared for those words, even though their reality was so very evident. Jenny had to share this news with her son. How? How how do you help someone you love prepare for that which you yourself are not prepared? How can we whose own hope seems so fragile muster the words to give hope to others? We remember, as did the women at the tomb, what Jesus told us, that he would rise again. And in remembering, we find the faith to share that hope with the hopeless. Jenny went to her child. We need to talk, she said. She took a deep breath and slowly let it out. I'm sorry to tell you this, but you are going to die. He was stunned. He was furious. Wait, what? I I don't want to die. And there was one of the most horrifying looks for a parent to witness on their child's face, the look of fear. He was eight. He was not prepared. How do we face this fear in ourselves? How do we help others face it? This very real aspect of life and death. How do we do so remembering that we face this fear not as those without hope? Jenny said to her son, I'm so sorry, I know, but we, we are all going to die whether we want to or not. I'm going to die, Dad is going to die. We're all going to die, and we don't have any control over it. I'm so, so sorry. When am I going to die, he asked. I don't know, but soon. What Jenny said next is a testimony to a real and helpful faith. Her words embody the message of Jesus to us all, who are fearful and unprepared, She calls them the three magic phrases for someone who is dying. Jenny said to her distressed child as lovingly and reassuringly as possible, you will not be alone. You will not feel pain. We will be okay. This is what he needed to hear. His fear was altered. He began to feel better. He rallied long enough to enjoy a week with family and friends, a party, and a death with which he had some measure of peace, a peace that surpasses understanding. These magic words gave him hope and peace and helped him prepare for death. You will not be alone. You will not feel pain. We will be okay. A week later, he died, not in anger, not in fear, not in pain, not alone, but holding his mother's hand. In truth, she is not okay, but she will be, because in the gift of helping her son prepare for death, she is finding new life. 
Hope in the resurrection has real consequences. It alters the way that we live and the way that we die. Part of our role as Christians is to invite people not only into the life of the community of faith, but also to be ambassadors of the hope of a life that continues in great mystery beyond the grave. Messengers in dazzling clothes standing alongside those who grieve with reminders of hope. There is actually no greater need in our community today than to be people of hope. People who offer hope to those living in fear, fear of the government by standing in solidarity. People who offer hope of well-being by providing the means to health. People who offer hope of belonging by being steadfast and unwavering in our welcome of all in the name of Jesus Christ. People who offer hope for a city that often gets caught in cycles of negativity and stagnation. Hope for a life of dignity for those who are so often viewed only as the recipients of others' charity. We are called alongside each other to speak the truth as lovingly and reassuringly as possible. That you are not alone. You do not suffer alone. All will be made well. And then to embody our faith in this truth. Julian of Norwich was an English Christian mystic in the 14th century. She was pained with so many questions of life and faith and suffering. In a vision, Jesus came to her and comforted readily and sweetly, saying, But all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. Jesus died a death for which he was prepared. It was not without pain. He felt very much alone. And looking out from the cross as he did, it looked like no one would be okay. Soldiers with their spears, taunting, heckling crowds, his own weeping mother. But Jesus had been prepared for this moment, and as it came, his words were those of peace offering words of hope and comfort to the men dying beside him, to the world that had conspired against him. He died with words of faith and peace on his tongue. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He was not without hope. Jesus died on the day before the Passover. The next day was the Sabbath when the devout Jewish followers would refrain from any form of work. The women disciples did what they could that day before the sun set. They prepared the spices and the ointments to rub on Jesus's body. But then they went home to observe the Sabbath. They rested in grief. After the Sabbath, they returned to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. But they were not prepared for what they found. They were prepared for a body. What they found instead was the stone of a tomb rolled away, the body gone, two men in dazzling clothes beside them. The other disciples were unprepared for what they heard as these women told them what had happened. They did not believe the women. 
They didn't believe because the idea of a dead person rising was incredible, unbelievable, even though Jesus tried repeatedly to tell them they were not prepared with this hope. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he heard the mother's, when he heard the women's testimony, he ran, and so prepared was his heart for their word to be true. He only had to see the empty tomb and nothing more than the faith of the women to know he was filled with hope. There are real consequences to telling of the resurrection. Hope. Renewed faith. Friends, this is the promise of Easter. We have heard the story of the women who came to us with the gospel. Whether angels from heaven come down and tell you Jesus Christ is risen today, or whether you've just heard the story and it all sounds too unbelievable to be more than an idle tale, or whether your broken heart has been so longing to hear some good news, here is what we can say. Faith in the promise of salvation gives new life. Share the good news. We prepare for what we can. We let go of that which we cannot. And it is faith alone that brings us peace as we face all the mystery of life in between. Faith can cause us to run searching for hope. Faith allows us to remember that death, while certain, does not have the last word, and to turn back toward this life in awe and amazement and hope. Faith lets us look death right in the eyes. Better yet, faith lets us look each other right in the eyes, standing in the shadow of the cross and remind each other with tears in our eyes and hope in our hearts, you will not be alone. In time, there will be no pain. We will all be okay. As he is risen, he is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.